Uh, welcome back to the second episode of the Stacks of Cash podcast. Dave, uh, time flies, man. This is episode number two. Time sure does fly when you're having fun and you're podcasting. Absolutely. Today, we're going to, you know, what's cool about our business and what we get to do, Dave, is we, we, we work with so many different people that are 401k participants, entrepreneurs, executives, hourly people. All kinds of folks, and, and, and in doing that, we get the opportunity, we get a front row seat to the good, the bad, and mm-hmm. the ugly. No, that's, yeah, I mean, we, we see it all, and it doesn't matter uh, who you are or how much money you have, savings and debt really causes a lot of stress on people. So it doesn't matter who you are, you have those two things, there is stress involved with it. And so we're going to try to walk you through some of the best examples of, of what successful savers do and, and, and just share some of our thoughts and, and, and ad lib, uh, you know, as we go along here. Yeah, you know, one of the things is, is that whether it's, um, you know, someone who owns a business, uh, I've got a, a guy who had a, a group of pharmacies that he built and then he sold and now he consults with pharmacists. Uh, great accumulator of money, uh, another different entrepreneur. Some of the folks that work uh, that I work with in the legal and the accounting profession, the, these people, you know, the common theme that I've noticed is they've developed really good habits. Yeah, they, they develop really good habits, and it's not what you make, it's what you save. And, and this may be a little um, backwards coming from two financial planners, but, you know, we want to set – have people set their retirement savings aside first so they can actually spend their money. I never want people to be like, oh, I can't spend anything. I can't enjoy life. No, you have to enjoy life. We want to save first and then enjoy life. Absolutely want to save. 100%. You know, one of the things I always like to say is, is you, you get one lap around the track. So you got to, you know, you got to enjoy. You don't want to be so bunched up over it. And we've got people out there that are so concerned with, with saving their money that they don't enjoy any of it. And life is known for throwing curveballs at you. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, we'd love to plan everything out. It'd all be perfect. But it's kind of like the old Mike Tyson quote. The, the you know? great philosopher, Mike the Tyson. The great philosopher. He's a, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> right, and that's exactly right. You get out of college, you're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You get your great job, you're making money, you feel like you're doing well. Next thing you know, a couple things happen, and you're working from behind. And so, uh, you know, we're going to walk you through some of these uh, traits that these successful savers have, and you're going to notice a theme that you got to work from ahead. You can't work from behind. It's <laughs> it's hard to get over that mountain if you're working from behind. Yeah, you know, it's it's true whether it's in money or whether it's in your uh, your health slash weight. Uh, I can I can attest to this a little bit, being a 52 year old guy. You know, wherever you get to, your high water mark is your high water mark, and then you work from there down, and it, and it's hard. So you know, if you ever, and, and what I'm really saying there is, is if you get behind, mm-hmm. it's hard catching up when you're behind. So if you get ahead, and you stay ahead, then it's yeah, easier. Yeah, and you'll notice that the stress just really falls away once you're working from ahead. I mean, it yeah. just makes a big difference. And and it may make may not make a lot of difference in your paycheck, 
but you're just going to feel a big difference just with stress. So what are some of the things that people do to practice frugality, which is a word I thought I was going to mispronounce, but I did not. Well, so we're going to try to, let's square frugality with, you know, living <laughs> life for now and, 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 and not being so conscientious of saving everything you don't enjoy. So there's, there's a balance there. But I do think frugality is a word that makes sense here. Uh, and it's really about implementing decisions that have really big return on effort. And when I mean return on effort, I like to think of this. What's the thing that costs me the, le- the least that gives me the biggest bang for my buck? Mm-hmm. Uh, that has a cumulative effect. Mm-hmm. And so some of the people that are out there that really are great accumulators, they practice frugality in a really intelligent way. So a couple things that, that these types of folks do is they don't eat out all the time. I mean, they, they take the time to prepare, to plan, to go to the grocery, to cook at home. It's not to say they never go out to yeah, dinner. Of course not. They just don't eat out five, six nights a week. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, they plan. I mean, again, we're getting to planning. Yeah, and it's also, it's also healthier. So, so that's one thing, you know, cooking at home, bringing, bringing lunch to work. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it costs 10, 12 bucks a day to eat out every day. Now, I know. Yeah. you know, five days a week is 60 bucks a week, 50 weeks here is $3,000. And we do this. You and I do this. Yeah. I mean, we go on streaks where we go out to eat for like months on end and it's a little ridiculous, but then we look back and then we'll get in a streak where we're bringing our food in. It's it's weird how you get into these habits, and once you get in these habits, you just kind of go with it. And yeah, right so, now, now, right now, we're eating out a lot. <laughs> yeah, and so, but you know, but but maybe what we do is we say, okay, we'll we'll eat in two days a week, and then you have the advantage of you're not driving out to, mm-hmm. from the office. Maybe yeah. you can leave a little bit earlier. Maybe you be a little bit more productive. So we we beat that one pretty good. So bringing lunch to work, you know, buying uh, used cars, used cars. I mean, once you buy a new car. You know, there's there's a certain percentage of that car where you just you lose the money immediately. It, it, it depreciates right away immediately. You know, I actually used to buy new cars myself, and here recently, my last three cars have ranged in mileage from ten thousand to forty five thousand. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's still fine. new. To, it's still new it, to you. It's new to me. <laughs> They've got it cleaned up. Usually, they have some type of warranty on it. Right. So I think that's another another area that people who are good accumulators do. What about modest homes? I mean, right now with interest rates so low, people are getting more house than they probably in years past could have afforded because their payments are so much lower because of the interest. Yep. Yep. Um, what are you seeing out there for for those folks who are pretty frugal and they're just not getting a I mean, they could afford more house, but they're they're just not buying those. Well, is that I, th- what you're I think I think the upcoming generation is much more cognizant of 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 living more within their means and living with less. And, I, and this is air quotes space. So, you know, the bigger the property, the more lawn maintenance, mm-hmm. the more you have to pay to have it cleaned, the more maintenance. So, if you can narrow your footprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's an additive effect to that as well. Um, perhaps you buy something that's a little bit older. Maybe it's a little bit more of a fixer-upper. You're able to do it over a longer period of time. Maybe when the economy softer is when you make some of your improvements, not yeah. when things are super hot. But I think just you know being savvy about how you deploy 
your capital, particularly in these larger areas, but also in the day-to-day. Uh, an example, and we, we talked about this before, you know, we, we know that as seasons change, clothes go on sale. So, so maybe you pick next year's stuff at the end of the season when things are on sale, maybe not the stuff that's going to go out of style, but the things that you need to fill in. So just being a little bit more savvy mm-hmm. uh, when, when seasons change relative to, to your wardrobe and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to change my size, I don't think. And so if I see a white button-down <laughs> dress shirt for sale – should probably buy multiple of them because yeah. I use them. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and they're going to still fit, hopefully. A- absolutely. You know, one of the things, and I read this book back in 1996. I know it was 96 because I was headed to Hawaii. I was on the airplane. I was in third grade. You were in third grade. I was on the airplane, and I started. I decided that the book I wanted to read was The Millionaire Next Door. And, and that's not a great book to read when you're going on a really, <laughs> really nice yeah. vacation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it talks about like being frugal and saving and stuff like that. If you've not read that book, I recommend it. It's by a guy named William Danko, D-A-N-K-O, and Tom Stanley, Millionaire Next Door. It's one of the old time greats. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Awesome yeah. book. Um, some interesting stats from that book. Some interesting stats. Um, you know, forty-three percent of the people that were studied that that, that were studied for this book, forty-three percent. Drive o- older vehicles. Yeah, forty-one percent have a, own a modest home, and forty-one percent don't travel as much as they'd prefer. Again, not a good book to read when you're going <laughs> on a super cool right, trip. Yeah, exactly. And, and and then a lot of them are pretty. Uh, you know, about forty percent of them are resourceful enough to do a lot of their home repairs themselves. I mean, I'm not one of those guys, but I, where I can, I will try. Yeah, um, yeah certainly. So, so another thing that really successful savers do is they track expenses, Dave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the and Jay and I are cut from the same cloth here. If we are going to make something happen, what is the one thing we have to do first to make something happen? Write it down. We have to write it down. If we don't write it down, it's not going to happen. And so, I don't know if you have to write that on a post-it note or whatever your goal is to track expenses. You have to write it down. I mean. I'm an analytical person, and I have to write it down to see the numbers so I can make adjustments with it. So let me tell you how I do that. So, you know, I know that my electric bill, my gas bill, my phone bill, my cable bill, my mortgage payment, my car payments, those are the same numbers every month. Yeah, those are easy. Those aren't changing, right? Mm -hmm. My lawn service, my house, whatever. What's the biggest thing that changes every month? Is, is your discretionary discretionary, which is usually put on your credit card, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, so we use American Express in my house. That's what we typically use. So do we. And, you know, I'll have a visa also for the places that don't take an American Express. But I have the app on my phone for both of the cards, and I check the balances every day. Yeah, and I have the – we both have the Apple Pay, so anytime somebody – usually me or my wife is making some sort of purchase it, it bangs me and i look at it never before before that technology would i look at it as much as i look at it now your phone explodes once in a while yeah it? yeah it does it does <laughs> absolutely that's well, a different podcast yeah that's a different podcast so so but you know if you have a monthly target for your discretionary spending whatever that number is let's say it's two thousand three thousand whatever the number is monitor that now if you're married, 
make sure your wife is monitoring or your spouse rather is monitoring that your partner is monitoring that yeah. because because at the end of the day if you're not both on the same page you're, you're going to be flying in different directions creates a lot of stress so on and so forth so together you have to have the same number in mind mm-hmm. you both need to check in you need to communicate and a, and a really good trick is let's say it's the the two days before your credit card statement cut off mine cuts off in the middle of the month mm-hmm. right so if, 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 if my wife is going to Costco and I'm at my number for the month, guess what? I'm saying to my wife, hey, only buy what you need this month. Mm-hmm. I don't want you going in there buying a bunch of stuff that we don't need right now because I don't want to exceed that particular target. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a good thing. And, you know, checking your, your balances and your transactions daily is very similar to checking your investments when the market's going down. When the market goes down, people don't like to look at their account balance go down. It really bothers them. It irks them. It's a point of stress. And I think that when people um, get into trouble about tracking their expenses, it's because they're actually not even tracking it at all because it provides so much stress to them and angst. But if you look at it, you're going to be able to manage it much easier. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if if you're not looking at it, on a regular basis, then it's going to be hard to manage the habit. And, and like we said before, this is all about habits. So I want to I want to switch gears a little bit from the kind of the day to day the the tracking and the day to day expenditures and stuff. And one of the things that's near and dear to David and me is debt in terms of helping people eradicate it as quickly as they can. And you know we talked a little bit about you know getting ahead and staying ahead. And unfortunately, in our society of consumerism and the the ease with which an individual can get debt, I've got a, a kid who's graduating college in a couple months. I mean, we get credit card solicitations every single day at our house. Isn't that amazing? Getting getting this twenty one year old hooked up on debt. And so it's a real it's a real cancer, actually. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really careful about that. But if you're in a position where You've accumulated some debt. Here's the first thing you need to do. Acknowledge you've got a problem, right? Yeah, and that's one of the hardest, you know, it's one of the hardest steps. I mean, I would take the first and second step really together. You acknowledge there's a problem and you have to forgive yourself for it because that is in the past, okay? You can live in the if you live in the past, you die in the past. I don't know what other philosopher said that, but that that is a motto to live by and you just got to forgive yourself and look forward. And there's a what you're going to get there as long as you're disciplined. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more on that. So if you're, if you're looking back, you're not moving forward. And this is all about moving forward. So forgive yourself. That's totally fine. You can recover from it. Now, once you've acknowledged the problem and you've forgiven yourself, stop creating more debt. <laughs> okay? That's right. logical. Take, take your credit cards. We've had a, I had a client in the office one time. It was a husband and wife. And uh, we had this you know, pretty lengthy session and everything, and they were all upset and all. But we actually broke out the scissors in my office, and we cut up credit oh, cards. Oh, really? I it was awesome. That. It was awesome. <laughs> then we had a scotch. <laughs> <laughs> the the card cutting ceremony. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was great. Good. You know, and I think it was uh, it was empowering, and uh, it was real. Yeah. It was symbolic, and uh, it was the right move for them. So. Once you have identified the problem, you've forgiven yourself, you stop creating more debt. Dave, what, what do you want to do from there? 
Like, how do you attack well, this thing? Well, at this point, you're probably looking at several different accounts or credit cards where you have varying degrees of interest rates associated with them. And so the first thing you would do is tackle the one that has the highest interest rate first because you're paying more in interest expense. And so to get ahead, you got to eliminate the one with the highest interest rate to it. So go after that one first. Yeah. I actually, when I've had this situation, and believe it or not, even as a financial planner, I've had this problem in m- myself in the past. What I do is I write, I've written them all down, mm-hmm. okay? And then as I pay, pay that off, I, I cross it off my written down list. And I get this huge feeling of satisfaction. Now, this hasn't occurred in a while, but but it just you feel really good about it. And this is about really – so once I get that top one paid <laughs> off, say I was paying 200 a month on it, and once that one's paid off, I take that 200 a month I was paying on that, I add it to the next one down. And so I just start accelerating until I've just worked this mountain down to nothing. Well, I think you brought a good point. Um, you said that doesn't happen right away. I mean, we're so used to instant gratification now with everything on our phones. Everything happens so quickly. This is going to take time. It's going to take time to pay off debt, and you just got to be realize that. Perfect. So a couple rules of thumb here that, that people, they ask us about as it relates to, to saving and stuff like that. Um, we, we believe that it's appropriate for you to have uh, anywhere from three to six months of emergency funds on hand. In other words, so if you're spending on average mortgage, expenses, discretionary, whatever, 4000 5000 bucks a month, you need somewhere between twelve and twenty-four thousand dollars cash on hand in the bank, ready to go. Period. Final. End of the discussion for your emergency fund. So once you get done paying down your the discretionary debt, mm-hmm. we're not really talking about car debt or mortgages. We're talking consumer debt that's occurred through lines of credit or or credit card stuff like that. Once you've got that done, you know. You, you need to make sure you've got this emergency fund yeah, in place. That, and, and, and you may, yeah, and you may want to have some emergency funds. And, you know, maybe it's two months initially mm-hmm. so that, you're, you know, you're really not caught in a really, really bad spot. You need to have some money in the bank. But it's you a want goal to, to work towards. Yeah, too. yeah absolutely. absolutely. It doesn't have to open overnight. And so, um, yeah, that's a good one. We get that question quite a bit. So l- let's – Talk briefly in the last couple of minutes here about drawing up a financial plan, your personal financial plan. What can you be doing to to put yourself in a better position financially? And, and it all starts with goals and not like these, you know, out there goals. They have to be very specific. And I would put them into a one, three and five year goal, because if they're very specific, the likelihood of you obtaining them is much, much higher. hundred percent. You could go look in the top drawer of my desk right now. And I have actually probably 10 sheets of paper that are stapled together. <laughs> now, the reason they are, what, the reason why there's 10 sheets there is because since I've been doing this, what I do is I modify what I've written down and I keep all the, I keep the previous one because mm-hmm. I want to see where, how things have changed. Yeah, it's a living, breathing yeah, animal. Yeah, absolutely. So you've, you've got it written down, put it in a place you see it and look at it on a regular basis. You look at it, but you also got to tell people. You got to tell, you know, if you have a spouse, make sure you guys are on the same page. I know that anytime we make a change in our business, you and I, we tell people about it because it holds us accountable. The podcast, for example, you know, that you start telling people becomes real. And now you have other people buying in with you. 100%. You also get feedback when you do that. Some may be good, some may be bad. Mm -hmm. But particularly the, the biggest mistake people make as a family unit. And I'm not just talking about your partner, spouse, whatever. I'm talking the family. If you've got kids, 
and you're working in a direction, they don't need to know what you make, but they ought to know what the general direction of the family is headed. And you get buy-in that way. And the more buy-in you get, then people start to understand. And and, and, and it's like team, you know. If you're a football team and, and 11 guys are going in different directions, you're not going to accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. But if everybody's headed in the same direction, you're a lot. You're going to have a lot better chances of achieving success. And it's more fun when you achieve success because you guys can celebrate together and reward yourself. You know, if you reach your goals, make sure you reward yourself and everyone that was in on that goal with you, and that's your family and friends and et cetera. Well, listen, everybody, we appreciate you uh, tuning in to this second episode of Stacks of Cash. We hope this has been helpful for you. Good luck, best wishes, and happy saving.